Welcome to Beckett Talks, the new podcast from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we'll be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today. And it's time for Beckett Talks Research. I'm Dee, and each week I will be showcasing the interesting and innovative research community here at Leeds Beckett as part of this podcast series. In this week's episode, we look back at an interview recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic with Dr. Nasser Hussain from the School of Cultural Studies and Humanities here at Leeds Beckett University. Dr. Hussain has a variety of writing and research interests around contemporary poetry, performance and creative writing. And he is currently working on a trilogy of books that consider mass transit. Welcome, Dr. Nasser Hussain. So let's start off with an easy question. Tell me a little bit about the passion for your work. Conceptual writing is a frame where I can explore the ways in which poetry encodes contemporary culture itself. And this is what makes me most excited about poetry, is the ways in which it holds a ton of information about culture and context and history, and in my case, pure information and raw data. I really have to ask this, why poetry? <laughs> Why poetry? Um, that's a really good question. I have to think about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, this is going to get edited, right? Um, poetry is a place where you can do things that aren't socially acceptable anywhere else. Um, and I learned that on stage when I was doing performance poetry in the first place. My practice right now is very much about obsession and tiny details and thinking about lost fragments of language and things that people overlook. I've just published my second book called Sky Writings, which is a piece of constraint-based writing, conceptual writing, in which every word in the book is an airport code, like man for Manchester. So when you go to the airport and look at the departure boards, um, I'm, I'm sure that you don't look at them as language but rather as little abbreviations for things. But when I look at an airport departure board, um, it lights up in a different way. So poetry is really just a, an excuse to be a creative reader as much as it is to be a creative writer. So when I look at language, and we're surrounded by it, I like to pick out the things that we overlook and, and try and make that of new value to readers. I always think of poetry of having a feeling of antiquity about it. How do you make it relate to modern audiences? Mm. My work is about mass transit. Um, so the first book, Skywritings, is one of three that I've planned. And I'm going to do planes, trains and automobiles. And in that case, I think you can see how accessible this idea becomes. Um, because we're all subject to mass transit and the kinds of infrastructures that are very quietly um, working their way into our everyday lives. So skywritings, for instance, is built entirely out of three-letter words. So there aren't very many challenges to a reader in that sense. Um, and it's also highly democratic because many of us um, use public transit and mass transit to get around. Um, so it is already accessible in a number of ways. Um, particularly in terms of 
where the language is coming from. And the concepts are really easy to handle. Um, but the, the elegance, let's say, is in me rearranging all of that work into something that reads for, for a larger audience. Um, I think that answers the question. So how do you think language is evolving? In the age of the internet, language is evolving at this extreme pace. Um, and, and people's access to language and our ability to cut, copy, paste, and reframe texts is one of the most exciting developments that I've seen in writing in recent years, absolutely. So I don't take ownership of the language. I'm not the origin of it. I'm simply, a, and I'll, I'll quote one of my favorite writers, I'm simply a, a word processor in a lot of ways. I just move it around. And I take it from this source and I put it in this frame and it takes on brand new meanings. And that to me is one of the most important engines of contemporary poetry as we have it. The internet's really fueling a new way in which we connect with language, isn't it? Absolutely, it's, it's about the movement of information. Um, the internet is, is another source of that kind of language. Um, in the beginning, we used to call it the information superhighway. So I like the idea that, that information moves around as much as bodies move around. And, and I think that, that my work is trying to find a confluence between those two ideas. So we're bodies of information and we move as much as information moves around online. What's the most important question you would like your research to address? I'd have to say my research is about pushing the limits of what we consider writing in the first place. Because we've had centuries of writing up to this point, and I'll quote Derek Beaulieu, one of my favorite writers, when he says that his job is to create a map of writing as he knows it and then take another step. Um, and I find myself working at exactly that boundary. Do you think people have a preconceived idea of what poetry is? Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, and it's always valuable. Um, it's, it's not my job to, to take away that sense of things, but rather to expand it. So everyone's got their own ideas of what good writing and good poetry or good literature is. And my job as a teacher is to try and push students past that boundary and expand what's possible in writing. And where do you see your writing going in the future? I'm kind of at a fork in the road with my practice um, because I'm also a literary critic as much as I am a, a creative writer. Um, so in my creative writing, um, I hope to finish this trilogy on mass transit um, and my second book will be, is called, the working title is Signal Failure. And I'll look at trains and perhaps all of the reasons why we're late, um, I think will be a really interesting sort of topic to, to explore in that book. At the same time, um, I'm a reviewer of contemporary poetry and uh, I'm working with the Ledbury Emerging Critics Program. And we're working on changing the culture of how we receive poetry in the first place. And, uh, and, and there are a number of very exciting developments happening down that road as well that have to do with identity and the, the entire culture of poetry uh, criticism in the UK today. Can you tell me a little bit more about your work with the Ledbury Programme? 
The, the, the most important aspect of the library program is, is working on representation um, and getting writers and critics of color to publish in mainstream uh, and broadsheet publications like The Guardian and the TLS. Um, so at a recent uh, retreat that we had, um, we've, I think we've more than quadrupled the number of, of writers of color and critics of color that are getting published in an effort to diversify the, the set of voices that we have around um, literature today because the canon of literature itself needs to be uh, re-examined continually and, and periodically in order to make sure that we're including as many voices as possible and I'm lucky enough to be one of those voices. And, and I'm quite proud of that. So would you say that your work is deconstructing language in a way? It's reclaiming language. Um, it, it, takes it, uh, it takes what's given, um, and I could look around the room right now and find language all over the doors and on the fire extinguishers and on our clothing and on labels, and, and pull it away from that instrumental use of language and try and turn it into an, to an aesthetic or an artistic end. So. I'm, I'm trying not to take it apart, but to highlight it, I think, is, is maybe a more productive way of thinking about it. Would you say you are trying to get people to notice more of the language around them? That's exactly it. And that's the work of poetry, is to notice, is to take and extract as much meaning as possible from what's readily available and what's around you. And it's about that really close attention to all language, even the stuff that seems without value, um, like an airport code or um, a label on, on, a, on a medication or something like that. There, there are a number of ways of, of pulling significance out of everyday uses of language. Um, because that's kind of the job of poetry itself, is to invest language with more meaning than it may, have, than it may immediately seem to have. Whether it's media, history, English literature or creative writing, studying at the School of Cultural Studies and Humanities at Leeds Beckett University challenges its students to think critically and creatively about the world around us. Located in a historic city thriving with graduate employment opportunities, the School of Cultural Studies and Humanities is a community of widely published and prize-winning historians and literary critics, media scholars and professionals, novelists and poets. So, if any of these subjects interest you, whether you're starting out on your educational journey or wishing to progress professionally, go to leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash C-S-H for more information. Hello everyone, I'm back here again with Dr Nasser Hussain and I'd like to talk a little bit about your teaching. How do you enthuse your students? Enthusiasm is infectious and for me, my job is to find the practices in contemporary poetry that expand my definition of writing and that's where I get most excited and, and I simply share those things with my students. Um, so every time I find a new book, um, I get really excited about it, I bring it into class, I get everyone to look at it, and we take it apart, see how it works, and then adapt those techniques to our own practices. It's quite easy in creative writing to get people excited 
So I'm lucky in that sense. What do you think are the big issues debated around conceptual writing? Conceptual writing gets into a number of pretty big debates around originality, ethics, copying, ownership, aesthetics, and whether or not it is actually good writing. And the larger question above that has to do with kind of the canon of literature itself. And insofar as the canon of literature influences culture, and I think the English canon of literature is a, a major player in that, um, it's important to always ask that question as to what's in the canon and what's out of the canon and who's policing that boundary. And conceptual writing in my work pushes right at the limit of, of what's acceptable. So what exactly is conceptual writing? Conceptual writing is about ways of thinking about language that privileges the idea as much as it does the content. One of the main practitioners in the field, Kenny Goldsmith, will say that um, he writes books that you don't have to read. You simply explain the concept and then the reader's imagination takes over. So I can tell you that my book is made of entirely out of airport codes and then I've shared that process with you. So when, when you're in an airport and looking at a departure board, you're going to be looking for all the little words in there and recomposing those into poems or sentences yourself. And if, if I've done that, then I've done my job as a conceptual writer is to put the idea in your mind. I love that idea of not having to read the book. Exactly. It's, it, and that's counterintuitive, right? Mm. Not, not reading seems counterintuitive, but, but really it's about principles. Conceptual writing is about the principle upon which and the process by which the work is created. And that's easily shared. Um, and I, I freely share those things with my students because I want to get them to be better writers than I am. How do you enthuse your students about conceptual writing? It comes back to that concept of creative reading. So all of the reading that I do and all of the, um, all of the interpretive uh, work that I do, which is the product of many years of reading behind me, um, I bring that into my classes and I ask them to help me understand um, often really difficult and obscure texts um, that, that I know are exciting in some way, but together as a class, we try and clarify those things so that they extend my practice, I extend their practice, and, and we're all at this kind of forefront of knowledge. I love working on the most contemporary possible things, things that are just published out this year, because as a group, we are freed of the kind of critical uh, ballast. There's not much history there so that we can just get in at the level of language itself and try and discover what we can for it and put that into words for future students. So is conceptual writing a modern art? There, there are people in the field who will say that conceptual writing is a hundred years behind conceptual art. And this is where creative writing, the, the kind of writing that I do, um, depends on a much wider field of inquiry. It's about understanding writing and language as a kind of material, much in the same way that a painter uses pigments or a sculptor uses marble. We use language and arrange it to create new effects. So without getting into a dissertation about um, conceptual art, Marcel Duchamp's ready-mades, 
from the early part of the 20th century. That sort of technique of, of taking something out of its context and putting it into the artistic context is exactly what conceptual writing is doing in the 21st century, is to bring disregarded pieces of language and putting it into the frame of a book where it takes on this kind of new value as art. I'd like to see avant-garde writing um, become a little more mainstream. I think, I think there's, a, there's a lot of really important work that gets overlooked there and misunderstood as perhaps empty art practice. And I think with, with just a little bit of attention, um, it becomes quite obvious that, that avant-garde writing and conceptual writing, for instance, um, is actually pushing the culture forward in lots of really interesting and dynamic ways. Would you say that writing is a dying art? I think that the truth is we're probably writing and engaging more with language now than we ever have. With the advent of personal computers, mobile phones, including like touchscreen technology, where people now write complete words. Whereas even 10 years ago, we were using abbreviations for bits of language like R and U and to, instead of writing out the entire word. These days, I think we're much more immersed in language. It is kind of the prime mode of communication these days. I certainly write more emails now than I ever did letters. Um, and I send thousands of texts. And, and that textual basis for everyday life, to me, means that language takes on even more importance than perhaps it did for previous generations. Where do you see language going in the future? Perhaps I'm utopian about that, but, but it is um, connected to this idea of a global communication. With my simple mobile phone, I'm connected to people all over the planet and be communicating with them instantly and in real time. Um, and that, I think that, that feeds into a much more different way of thinking about the world than, than we might have culturally previously had available to us. Dr. Nasser Hussain, I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks so much for sharing your passion for conceptual writing with us. You're really good. That was great. You're really like, you're really testing me there. I was like, geez, why poetry? Oh my goodness. Next week, I will be talking to Dr. Maria Maynard about her research into ethnicity and health. Hope you will join me then. Goodbye. Today, Leeds Beckett Research Community is delivering innovative, multidisciplinary research, helping to address some of the most pressing challenges we face today. Across a range of disciplines, our researchers are striving to improve quality of life, equality and the environment around us. We are dedicated to making a difference and our research pages showcase the real-world impact taking place at the university. You can find out more at leedsbeckett.ac.uk forward slash transform. And if you've enjoyed hearing about the research at Leeds Beckett University, subscribe to our channel and listen out for more of our Beckett Talks research podcasts. 